It's time to watch a movie you've never seen. There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There will be smiles and there will be tears. You won't watch another movie for about 800 years. It's time for death. Phil. I'm Kit. Kit, you have your mouth full over there? Uh, no, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome back to Death by Video. It's uh, that time of week again where we gather at midnight at the old abandoned video store off Highway 9. Although I do realize on the SoundCloud uh, page it says that we gather off Highway 7. So Eerie. Yeah, maybe we're traveling a mystical highway uh, between Highway 7 and Highway 9. A Highway 8, if you would. Uh, so I want to start off, we do have some feedback, from some listener feedback this week. That's and exciting. It is from someone that we know, uh, Brandon Cox. Phil, I don't think you know him. Do you know Brandon Cox? I've met Brandon Cox a couple times. He's been to some movie nights. Yeah, yeah. He's... Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, just, just lean that, into that, the That's my cue to lean into the microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Brandon Cox wanted to say, he wanted to say, Hey guys, loves love the show. Dot dot dot. Was trying to find where you broadcast, but couldn't find 1985. Oh, is that like uh, yeah, he's looking for us. the year 1985? No, no, he's digging at us for like watching old movies. So, you know what, face? Uh, that's uh, <laughs> wow, that went south quick. Yeah, 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 it went south. And he also also was complaining because we were ripping on James Cameron two episodes ago. And you know what? I stand by our comments. James Cameron is a hack. I, I do not support Graham's opinions on this matter. I do not think James Cameron's a hack. He's definitely hacky. Eh. Unobtainium. Yeah. Unobtainium. That, yeah, that's a, that's a mark against him, that's for sure. Yeah, In fact, was... the whole Avatar thing is, is kind of mm-hmm. not great. He's taking almost as long between Avatar and Avatar 2 as he did between Titanic and Avatar. I thought you were going to say Titanic 2. No, no. Titanic 2 is a movie made by uh, The Asylum. Yep. And... Uh, I watched the first 10 minutes of it, and it was quite bad. <laughs> and it was clear that, like, this is the biggest ship ever. It's like, no, it's not. You're clearly on, like, a little passenger ferry that you rented for the weekend. And, uh, yeah, it started off with surfing at the glaciers, and then somehow the surfer, like, caused a avalanche, which caused the glacier to crack off to create the biggest iceberg ever seen. And with that being said, Brandon, go f*** an iceberg. <laughs> um, he'll know what that means. And uh, can anyone An guess what vo- vodka bottle? Can anyone guess what uh, movie that line is from? That quote is from. Go fuck an iceberg. Yeah. Is it is it one of the Ice Ages? No, <laughs> it's not the family friendly trilogy of Ice Age, Ice Age Two, The Meltdown, and Ice Age Three. Is it from Cool as Ice? No, that's good though. It's not from the uh, Rob Van Winkle 1992 uh, vehicle, Cool as Ice. Is it? Oh, is it from? Um, hold on there. The Thing? Is it the from thing? The Thing? No, no, no. It's from a movie we might watch. We might not watch on it. Um, so what have you guys seen in the last week, movie-wise? Anything or nothing? 
Phil? Um, I haven't seen anything uh, since since our, since our last, last podcast seven days ago, two. not four days ago. What about you, Kit? No. I mean, we watched the uh, the awesome New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, Sakura Genesis. Please forgive my pronunciation. Last night, where uh, Kuchida Akata defeated uh, Kayatsi Shibata to retain his IWGP Heavyweight <laughs> Championship title. Why are you shit, Kit? You were there last night. And you were like going, and like you were into it so much. <laughs> Nobody cares about that. Really? <laughs> really? I think twenty million Japanese people would beg to differ. And the 10,000 people in North America that subscribe to New Japan Pro Wrestling World. Um, in the last week, I have seen A Soldier's Revenge, Numbers Guy, The Wanderers, New Year's Evil, and last night I watched the Brian Bosworth 1991 action vehicle Stone Cold. So Soldier's Revenge is a... Um... <laughs> Soldiers are a wenge. Huh? It's a peep show reference. Oh, uh, okay. For our peep show fans, that'll... that'll... Yeah. I'm so confused. Yeah, 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 Soldier's Revenge was a not very good uh, VHS movie that I, I found. Um, Numbers Guy is actually a documentary that our mutual friend Vanessa Young made, which is now streaming on the CBC Shorts doc channel online and on YouTube. What, what? Have any of you guys seen the new cut of Numbers Guy? The 20-minute cut? No. no. It's the best version. I really, really liked it. Um, all kidding aside, it is like it's a really good moving short documentary, one which we will not be reviewing on this show. Um, Why not? Because it doesn't go with our modius operandi. Oh well, also the ghosts would have to pick it. Yeah, yeah, and the ghosts—they really don't know any modern cinema, unfortunately. And then the Wanderers is this awesome uh, late '70s Phil Coffin movie. Phil, did you want to chime in on that? Oh, I haven't seen it. Uh, it's a very good book, though. Oh yeah, yeah. It's and the uh, the author of the book is on the Blu-ray talking about the movie. Richard Price mm-hmm. of uh, Clockers fame, and he yeah. was uh, one of the main writers on The Wire. Oh. That's true. Yep. Despite the fact he's not from Baltimore, he's yeah. from the Bronx. He is, and um, he also wrote the screenplay for The Color of Money, and uh, also the Scorsese uh, segment of New York Stories. He also wrote the screenplay for that. So, cool. I'll look him up. And also, um, The Night of that HBO show. Oh which yeah, I haven't, yeah, yeah. He, he worked. I on still it. haven't watched. It's worth watching. Yeah, get saw it. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah, got my good. seal of approval. Nice. Mm, Kit's thumb up. And then uh, finally I watched, um, yeah, well, I, I didn't finally watch, but I watched New Year's Evil after that, which is a um, <clears throat> canon film production from 1982. It's not very good, um, but the Blu-ray looked nice. And uh, it was always interesting to see what uh, a bunch of guys from Israel thought the Los Angeles punk scene looked like in 1981. Um, and then finally I watched Stone Cold, which is the Brian Bosworth action film from 1991 where he plays a cop that's been suspended and he goes undercover with a biker gang who want to kill a uh, governor um, nominee Um, and he fails completely in every respect like he doesn't save anyone he doesn't prevent the governor gets killed all the judges that are that he's working for get killed as well a lot of cops get killed a lot of civilians get killed um, even the girl that he befriended in the biker gang gets killed as well, and so he's kind of like a useless. But of course, it ends with like hard rock music and him walking away valiantly after every he's failed everything. Um, and speaking of heroes failing everything, that brings us to tonight's movie, The ah. Exterminator Part Two. Now, it's part of one of my favorite favorite sub sub genres of films, the Vietnam veteran uh, vigilante revenge film. Um, much like in, and it's interesting because 
we think of films like Taxi Driver now as being this like very classy, like respected film. But when it mm-hmm. came out, it was considered to be like a Death Wish or a um, uh, what's the Rolling Thunder, something like that. Do you guys have any favorite revenge films of Vietnam related or otherwise? Uh, I don't know if I have a favorite. Um, something there was um, an interesting exploitation movie called Combat Shock. I was going to say Combat Shock is is so, it's so dirty. Yeah, it's it's really grungy, like, like especially the final scene. It's it's not a um, a well made movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's um, the easiest way to summarize it is it's the baby from a razor head, and the the narrative is basically Frankie teardrop by suicide made into a film. Ooh, um, yeah, it's um, it it it's so gritty and disgusting. Was it in Philadelphia, Baltimore? Or was it in New York City? It was uh, Staten Island, New York, oh, and then they Island, shot yeah. it guerrilla style. And... Yeah, yeah, it's so and deals with drug addiction. Yeah, Combat Shock. I don't want to say I love Combat Shock, but I definitely was like blown like for a loop by it. Like especially the scene where the guy can't get a needle to um, to like shoot heroin into his veins, so he just sort of like cuts open his scars on his arm and then dumps the powdered heroin into it, and that's how he kind of gets his fix. And then somehow I don't remember that scene. Uh... No, it's. It's due for a rewatch for me. Yeah, like, like I remember the final scene um, in the, that movie the, uh, where he drinks the sour milk and puts the baby the sour in, milk. The, in the microwave. Yeah, I, I don't remember the Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> kid's reaction was the best. Yeah, <laughs> drinking the sour milk was just that was ugh. disgusting. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's a grungy. <laughs> more disgusting than putting the baby in the microwave. <laughs> Yeah, like oh, sour milk, gross. Yeah, no, it's the... like six month old milk, and like he just sits there and drinks it. Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it is it is an intense it's yogurt, dirty, point, disgusting movie. But it's it's definitely in that vein of the Vietnam veteran. Um, the first exterminator movie was very much in that vein of like, because it's it's funny when you look back and you look at you know Taxi Driver, and it was thought to be like you would see a double bill of Taxi Driver and Death Wish, or ta- Taxi Driver and the Exterminator, Taxi Driver and Rolling Thunder. Because although Rolling Thunder is also a much more classier film than it was initially sold as, have you guys seen Rolling Thunder? I still haven't seen Rolling Thunder. I, I've never heard of this movie. Really? Never heard of it. It's one of Tarantino's favorite films. It was written by Paul Schrader, who wrote Taxi Driver. Doesn't he have a whole thing, Rolling Thunder review? That's what he named it after. Okay. Yeah, he named his uh, his. Short-lived video label after the film. That explains that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, so The Exterminator. And then, of course, as the 80s came on and every direct-to-video company got into the habit, they were still doing Vietnam Vet Comes Home, finds his life has changed, and has to pick up arms to defend his family and friends. And that, which made no sense in 1985, because they've been home for a decade at that point. Well, when did First Blood came out? I guess that would have been um... First Blood was 81, I think. So that was but a first, big movie in that. It was, genre. and that that kind of like reignited. <laughs> it. But First Blood also was a. It's kind of judged by its sequels. First Blood was a serious drama about PTSD. Yeah, and the sequels are just about kicking ass in Vietnam and. Yeah, going story. back to in, in part two, he goes back and wins the Vietnam War. In part three, <laughs> he. Uh, he defeats the Soviets by, unfortunately, training Al-Qaeda. Dun, dun, dun. The Taliban, yeah. Or, yeah, sorry. My, my fault. It was the Taliban that he trained in, in, uh, in Afghanistan to fight there. And then part four, just called Rambo. I love that movie. It's just so ludicrously violent. violent. Yeah. like And just over the top. And a good, taut 90-minute movie, too, at that. And, yeah, the it's, it's just interesting to see how far the movie, the... 
that series went from being the first one where it was like meant to be a legitimate serious film to being the ludicrousness of part three where he's in that tank top and just glistening glistening in the sun i think that would be sylvester stallone's uh career then because rocky Mm -hmm. of course was oscar nominated um highly regarded when it yeah. came out i think and rocky 2 is still is still pretty gritty and then rocky by the time 3, we're getting to rocky 5 where he's fighting johnny gunn in an alleyway i don't even know tommy gunn tommy gunn sorry yeah because that's the pun um <laughs> and yeah in part in part four where he also defeats where he defeats communism again he also um, has a robot at one point i think that's part three where he has the robot yeah and polly is like talking about it. or maybe that's part four what anyway, it lost its way, was my point. Yeah, yeah, it was either part three or part four. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like Expendables 1 is a serious intellectual film, and then by Expendables 3, it's just nonsense. That's not true. You're a liar, kid. And I don't think any of the miss. I don't think Missing in Action 1 was ever an intellectual film. No, 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 no. M- missing in Action was, was the offshoot of the Rambo effect. It was like... Um, and the interesting thing about Missing in Action is that they actually shot the first two movies back to back, but they released the second one first like so then they released the second one as a prequel right? yeah, yeah yeah so the original missing in action was supposed to be a story of vietnam war veterans still being held in vietnam and but for some reason again it's the canon films group and their wacky you know cousins there's actually a really great documentary about it called uh, electric boogaloo the wild untold story of canon films and uh, they where they talk about how they were convinced like let's release the sequel first and then the first one we'll call it a prequel and release it second and it makes no sense and the second one eh, well it makes sense totally because the second one isn't that good the first one is enjoyable to a degree the um the the first one which became the second one which is the one set in vietnam is <laughs> this is getting convoluted is not that good um i never liked it mostly because they they killed his pet chicken in it were these Chuck Norris uh, vehicles or no? Yes, oh, they, yeah. they were. Good he was in a few of these. Wasn't missing he? in action. I think no, one, like one, two, this, three. This genre that you're Braddock, talking about. Um, oh, definitely Invasion USA. He was a Vietnam vet. Um, they're all not good though. Like I mean, Invasion USA is hilarious, but it's just dumb as dirt. Um, I still want to see Silent Rage though. That's where he plays. It's considered just a remake of Halloween, but with Chuck Norris in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he basically. So is Chuck Norris the final girl? No, Chuck Norris is like <laughs> Donald Pleasance, and he like just kicks ass the whole way. Yeah. So, so um, well, I guess he's the inspiration for Buster Rhymes' character in Halloween Resurrection. Uh, that would be really fun. That's an awesome thing. So Chuck Norris I've led the way for hip hop. Uh, for the hip hop of Buster Rhymes. And Buster Rhymes, yeah, Buster, oh God, him in, in part eight. Halloween Resurrection is just the worst. <laughs> he does kung fu. He sucks and ruins the movie because that that movie had some good moments. Okay, okay. The Jamie Lee Curtis stuff was good. The ending where Michael Myers is crucified in the wires, burning alive, good too. The scene where the girl comes at him with the chainsaw. I can't believe I remember all this about Halloween Eight. I only saw it once when it came out in two thousand and two. Um, did they go to space in the next one? Or did, no, you're did, thinking of the you're thinking of the Friday the Thirteenth series. Jason X. There's, there's a few space. that goes to space, I think. Yes, it's, it's a trope it's, of horror series. Uh, Michael Myers never went to space, no, no. to my knowledge. I Michael, don't know if Leprechaun went to space he did. or not. He did. He did. Okay, yeah, there that was go. Leprechaun 4. When he goes to space, Leprechaun 5 was Leprechaun in the hood. And then Leprechaun 6 was Leprechaun back to the hood. Or back to the hood. I can't, I'm not familiar with it. Of course, Freddy Krueger never went to space. That shit stayed grounded in reality. Not yet. <laughs> the hilarious, most hilarious thing that was seeing Pinhead in space in Hellraiser 4. Four bloodlines 
which was, I think, the last Alan Smithy film where the director was like, no, I'm not putting my name anywhere near this. Um, but yeah, it's interesting how we went from talking about Vietnam-inspired revenge films uh, back to... The uh, slasher films that rose in the 80s? Uh, uh, I think there's un- a connection. Unkill- unkillable uh, mass murderers. I think That's, there's a connection. I, I, well, the thing is... In space. I'm, what I think is is that all these uh, Vietnam veteran revenge films, they are the slasher film, the slasher in the movie, but it's from their perspective, so they're the heroes. Yes, if we were to sympathize with um, Jason Voorhees, for example. Maybe you don't he's... sympathize with Jason Voorhees? Should I? No, but I like him. Um... <laughs> in the first remake... He, he's you misunderstood. Kind of, in the first remake, you kind of get a sense that he might be misunderstood. Did they do two remakes? I think they did. They did, they did one remake of Friday the 13th, and it wasn't even a remake. It was really just Friday the 13th Part 11, because they just had a recap of like, oh, there was this woman and she killed people and her son was still out there. And then he shows up and he gets the mask in it. It's not really a remake. Um, it's a good, it's a fun movie though. It's got an excellent use of Sister Christian by Night Ranger. Um, <laughs> you've, you've used English words, but I don't know what any of that means. You've never so, uh, it's a corrective to uh, the use of Sister Christian in Boogie Nights. I think they're both excellent uses of Sister Christian, which is a song that does not get enough credit for being as awful as it is. Um... <laughs> So with all that being said, and, um, oh, actually my favorite Vietnam, not my favorite, but one of my favorite Vietnam revenge films has got to be The Brotherhood of Death, which is kind of sold as a black exploitation film, um, and it's actually by black filmmakers, and what it is is um, a bunch of um, uh, African-American uh, men in the South decide to enlist in Vietnam before they get uh, drafted so that they can actually choose what they want to go into. And uh, then they go off to Vietnam. You know, some like one of them dies. They like learn a lot. They become brothers, and then they come back from Vietnam to find out that their hometown has been overrun by the Ku Klux Klan. Oh dear! So they they actually try to at first go through the legal democratic means to shut them down, but that doesn't work. So then they eventually have to take up arms, and uh, they take they also inf- infiltrate the Klan by dressing up as Klan members. Ah. Yeah, which is interesting because that's the big flaw with the clan's whole face covering uh, get-up that they have, those those ghost costumes. Not to be confused with the ghosts that, that haunt this video store. I don't want to upset them or cause any thunder or lightning to go off. So with that being said, um, well, this is The Exterminator Part 2, starring Robert Ginty and Mario Van Peebles. We'll be back in a moment. So we're all drinking RoboHop Imperial IPA for our post-film discussion. Uh, and welcome back. That was The Exterminator Part 2. Yes, it was. Yes, yes, it was. Mm-hmm. We are not being sponsored, but... Uh... By Great Lakes Brewery? If, if Great Lakes Brewery wants to sponsor us, though, I oh, think yeah. we're all open to the idea. I think right yes. after episode 10, I'll start reaching out for sponsors. Is that our get even commentary episode? That will be the get even episode. It might not be a commentary. I'm gonna have we're gonna have a guest for uh, for the get even episode though. This, by the way, is delicious, and that's it, not it, a it that's not a reach for. Uh... 
Yeah. This it, is my first time having it. I can totally verify, yes, the RoboHop Imperial IPA is amazing from Great Lakes Breweries. It's a strong do. beer. It's, it's, it I is. It's 8.5%, which is... Uh, this conversation could go off the rails. <laughs> We all um can can you guys like move the microphone when you're talking though? Cause, or just get closer together. Okay. Yeah, yeah get comfortable, guys. Come yeah, on. yeah. Come on. We're all friends. We're all friends. Yeah, yeah. This is good. Graham enjoys his uh, RoboHop so much that he's choking on it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm gonna edit all of this out. Okay. Well, so as, as long as as long as we're editing out, I kind of um brushed off a friend of mine by saying, oh, I might be working tonight. No, I knew but I wasn't going to be working tonight. Hopefully they're not listening Dude, to this podcast. Dude, don't say that, because I, I will not edit that out. <laughs> please, please do. I will not. Um, yeah, it was, and the possibility... Don't, don't, why are you talking into the microphone if you want this cut out? The possibility I, was... I purposely spoke not into the microphone for that. Okay, here's the cut. Hey! <laughs> hey, <laughs> we'll see what I leave and what I leave out. Um, so that was the Exterminator Part 2. Um, so, Kit, take us through Exterminator Part 2. Oops, I, I, there's a description of RoboHop on a can <laughs> that I was just re- reading here. As a child, RoboHop was shunned for his laser beam eyeballs, bulbous hop-shaped torso, and robotic limbs. During adolescence, however, things changed for our hero. He captained his high school hockey team, routinely took over dance floors, and thusly garnered a lot of attention from female classmates. Today, RoboHop battles the blandness of the big boys by making this killer hoppy and bracingly bitter beer. Sorry, that wasn't worth it. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. So, I, I guess that's uh, so Phil, a long-winded way of Phil, saying that Exterminator 2 does not have a plot. So, Phil... It Phil, does have a plot. Okay, yes. okay, so guys, take 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 us through the Exterminator 2. It's it's basically, you know, it's a film made for self-righteous baby boomers who are afraid of youth culture. Th- that is very true. As we found out that every gang in New York City... I also forgot, this is one of the films that takes place in New York City that shows off the horribleness of New York City in Reagan's 1980s which I think reaches apex in 1989's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. Phil? But there are no, there are no uh, bloodlettings or stabbings in, in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, at least. It's all leading up to that. There's an evil ninja gang like recruiting <laughs> all the youth, much like there's an evil gang in this movie recruiting all the youth. Although some of them aren't young, there was that like middle-aged Asian guy towards the end where it's like, what are you doing in this gang? He was the guy with well, the mustache. You can basically tell the bad guys in this movie by their age. If they're young, if they're under 35, then they're suspect. Well, uh, there is uh, our uh, protagonist, uh, the Exterminator 2. Uh, What's portrait- his uh, civilian name? Do we know? It's John Eastwood, I think? Eastland? No, John Eastland was in the, in the final credits. Um, we just know him as Robert Ginty. Um, star of several fil- such films as White Fire and Out on Bail and Coming Home and The Exterminator and Exterminator 2. He looks like a shitty 80s version of Russell Crowe if you if you want to picture him <laughs> in your head while, while you're yeah. going along. Shaven he, as well. Yeah, he's like a he's also a pudgy Russell Crowe. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got a very shitty 80s version. He's got a lot of baby fat on him. Let's just put it that way for an action hero in the 1980s. And no biceps. Uh, there's a love scene and he takes his shirt it's off a and very you wonder why. love scene. Um... The movie could have done without it. 
<laughs> but uh, so so yeah so so the scene is the early '80s in New York City. This is post Exterminator One, uh, where he came back from Vietnam and uh, caused all kinds of grief. And now he is out on the streets using a flamethrower to bring to bring justice to New York City. I, I have a theory that he's not even trying to bring justice. He's just a psychopath who likes to burn young people alive. And it just so happens that all the young people happen to be criminals. And all members of the same gang. Yeah, apparently. Mm-hmm. So, Phil, where did we leave off there? Uh, where does the film open? Take us take us to that so opening. So, the, the opening, uh, there's a liquor store robbery. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of the youths of the gang, uh, they uh, wind up uh, murdering, uh, very brutally murdering, an elder, the elderly proprietors of the liquor store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, think, I think I think it was played up to be an elderly Jewish couple as well. So they're also kind of. This is kind of like a hallmark of this uh, fear youth culture uh, genre of the mm-hmm. of the eighties, where where. Uh, they're, they're not content with just robbing the liquor store. They have to take pleasure in actually stabbing and shooting the old people mercilessly as they do it. Yes, well, like a lot of uh, 1980s um, so and 70s like yes. depictions of... Because we, we actually consulted the uh, the Bible of uh, punks on film, Destroy All Movies by Zach Carlson and some other guy who I can't remember the name of. Um, it is it is referenced in that book as being an example of punk exploitation. Um, and the gang is, they're kind of punks, but not really. Um, but they do the thing where like they commit a crime and then start laughing hysterically because that's, that's what they do. But there is that one dude who's got like the Nick Cave circa 1985, uh, haircut and like, he's got like, uh, he's, he's got like, he's got a skull necklace. It's, it's very like death rock. Uh, yeah. He's, the, he's punk. the dude that wound up in the back of the uh, garbage truck that's for like right, most of the yeah. movie. For the, mm-hmm. for the third of the movie, he, mm-hmm. he stays in the back of a garbage truck. Against his will, of course. Although he seems to be okay. He's just eating trash back there. Yeah, he yeah. eats an old banana. He eats some bread that's gone stale. He looks in some yogurt, but uh, doesn't he, like it. He looks like he has experience being a freegan. Um, <laughs> freegan? A freegan. It's the, they're, they're like the dumpster divers, dumpster right? Dumpster divers, yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know they had such a nice name for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. These gang members brutally murder... In an elderly couple, and then run out into the back alley to get away with their like twelve bucks or whatever they got from the cash cashier, and all of a sudden they're confronted by a welder mast wearing, flamethrower bearing, Robert Ginty army jacket wearing. Yes, yes. And, I, and I realized early on, I'm like, oh my god, I have the same jacket which I am wearing right now. Graham is actually wearing that jacket right now. Yeah, and it's the jacket he wears everywhere. He wears it out to dinner. He wears it to the park. He wears it to uh, a nightclub. He wears it while revenging. He re- wears it while avenging. He almost wears it while making love, but I think maybe the uh, the director yes. was like, no. What can't. do you think they made love on? <laughs> That's what he laid down on the bed beforehand. It's like a Bon Jovi song. Yeah. I laid down on a bed of army jacket for you. <laughs> So then after that, we, we meet um, his, I guess you could say, girlfriend. Um, yeah. The, the, she's a dancer. The, she's a dancer at the club that he frequents. Mm-hmm. I, again, it's a very yuppie club, too, that serves free beer, apparently, according to all their signs. All the time. Yeah, just free beer. They just want you to come and hang out and have a good time and dance. There must and be she's, cover charges. But. She's not a stripper, though, because like initially she comes out and she dances around a pole, but this was also post-flash dance, so we need to... So, like, just dancing in a club was a thing. Um, and she dances very well. She's she's ballet. She, she's ballet got a bit of a E look uh, going on. There's mm-hmm. some indication that the film reveals in its complexity 
that she uh, she's a failed ballet dancer because on one of their dates she she does a few pirouettes and things. Mm-hmm. She also states that at a certain point she wanted to be on Broadway, but um, but she didn't make it quite. So instead, she's dancing in I don't know if it's Staten Island or the Bronx or uh, Brooklyn. No, the the, the band is based out of Brooklyn. Boroughs, yeah, uh... not Manhattan, that's for sure. So then, uh, then Robert Ginty meets up with an old army buddy of his, who is a garbage man played by Frankie Faison. Yes, from The Wire, and mm-hmm. you might know him as Irv Burrell, one of the uh, I think he was police commissioner in The, in the Wire. Big face, black guy with a mustache that that might place him he, for you. He also had bit parts in Silence of the Lambs and uh, Manhunter. He was uh, the prison guard. Uh, he's like looking after uh, Hannibal Lecter's cell. Was he the only continuity between Manhunter and Silence of the Lambs? I think so. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was in both. I'm quite sure he was in both. Ah, it's interesting. He was yeah. definitely in Manhunter. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a much bigger fan of Manhunter than I am of Silence of the Lambs. I've yet to see Manhunter. My eyes are burning daggers. You should see Graham's eyes right now. They are staring daggers into me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, it was so good. It it can be rectified. It will be okay, kid. It's it's a Michael Mann film, and I do like Michael Mann. It's got an amazing score as well, but I think, was it Tangerine Dream, Phil? No, uh, Tangerine Dream did The Keep. um. And, And Thief. Yes, that's right. They mm-hmm. did Thief as well. They do they do the Red Dragon storyline in Manhunter. Is that is that am I correct? Yeah, yes. It's it's the it's the Red Dragon book, the first appearance of Hannibal <clears throat> Lecter or Lector as he's known in Manhunter. With L-E- the K K. Yes, L E K T O R, I believe. Or was it two Ks? Or it's L E C K T O R. Lector. Lector. Or it could be L E K. Played by Brian Cox. Yes. As a British heavy in it, like he's totally like a thug that would mess you up in a bar. Who plays the Red Dragon in that one? Um, Tom, Tom Newman. Newman. Oh, yeah, good choice. He was also in Heat. Mm-hmm. I actually liked. Um, and in RoboCop too. I'm and to the think Monster of, Squad. Uh, he's, he plays Thor and Oakenshield in in the Hobbit. Uh, um, he's the uh, he's the Red Dragon in the TV version, the Brian Fuller. Yeah. Uh, Hannibal, and I think he does a. He was quite good in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed the Hannibal TV series. I'm praying that they make a comeback somehow. They could. They don't have the rights to Sansa the Lambs yet, but I they're know. working on it. They worked around it, though. They kind of introduced a Clary Starling-esque character mm-hmm. in season two. Played by, was it the girl from... Anna, Anna, Anna Chumps? Yes, yes, the girl from My Girl, Anna Chumsky. Chumsky? Anna Chumsky? Chumsky, yeah, that's right. She was on Veep. She's also on Veep, yes. She was also in Blood Car, by the way. And she played Liz Lemler. Chumsky, I think. God, I know. One of them. My God. She played Liz Lemler on season one of 30 Rock. Sorry, Anna. I don't I'm know a if big you remember She's quite good. I don't recall that now from the first season of Thirty Rock. She was dating Jason Sudeikis's character early on, and there was a Jason Sudeikis character on Thirty he Rock. He dated Tina Fey's character for a while, but then he was dating like Liz Lemler, played by Anna oh, oh, I don't remember this. I do not remember. That. I was only a fan of the latter <laughs> seasons of Thirty Rock. So back to the Exterminator Part Two. Uh, it's actually not called The Exterminator Part 2. It's just The Exterminator 2. I keep thinking of The Executioner Part 2, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Or Godfather Part 2. You're, you're trying to elevate this film a little. I think. That is very true. <laughs> there are some Godfather-esque gangsters in the film as well. Yes. Oh, yes, there mm-hmm. are. Yes, uh, Mario Van Peebles' uh, gang. Um, he, the he plays X, the character he, of X. 
it plays a character of X, which I think is almost kind of a reference to Malcolm X and kind of a fear of I, a black planet I think, type of thing. I don't think. I just think X because it's. They it's, could be straight edge. They could be. They could be. All right. They so are selling they're, heroin they're, though. Yes. They like. They knock off a armored car to, to buy some heroin from the Italian mafia, who all wear fedoras and, and three They're from suits, the 40s. They're, and, they're uh, the Italian mafia from the 40s. They were roses in their lapels, or is it carnations, I believe, possibly? When did uh, Godfather 3 come out? 1990? 1990. 1990. Okay, so it was after this film. I, I like Godfather 3. We do not disparage Godfather 3 on this I podcast. I haven't seen it. I can't it's, disparage it's it. It's good. It's actually a good I movie. own it, but I haven't seen it. So, anyways, uh, he, he uh, Robert Ginty runs into an old uh, Frankie Faison who plays a garbage man. Who the entire movie, I'm waiting for him to say it's time to take out the trash. But the pun he actually uses is, "It looks like there's some garbage that needs to be removed." Which is, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot less eloquent. It's a lot less. Uh, yeah, and and even before Robert Ginty and the garbage man start hanging out together, the garbage man interrupts their ro- their robbing of a. Uh, armored car by smashing his garbage truck into the armored car mm-hmm. thus setting up robert ginty to hit um x's brother spider was his name spider who's, spider, who, who's so, up in the tree yeah so robert ginty is out in full-on uh, exterminator um flamethrower mode and he burns uh x's brother spider alive in a tree in a very horrific scene after they've already taken down a police helicopter i believe yeah with yeah. uh yeah with some sort of and you see, like, and you see yeah. the cop's like face melting. Uh, there's just like a close up, like the, yeah, the, the helicopter on fire. This one was not shy about showing the burnt remains of the victims of both uh, the exterminator and of the X gang. And the way they uh, like when they uh, use the third rail to electrocute. Um, oh yeah, the, the, the driver uh, of the, the of the, the, the armored truck driver. Yeah, yeah, the armored car driver. Um, they actually mount him on an X shaped uh, two poles that are in an X shape. And they carry him down into the subway system and then spray paint in glow-in-the-dark spray paint an X on his body. And then they attach him to the third rail of the New York subway system, which is electrified. Mm-hmm. They electrocute him and then have a subway train drive over him. It's, it's all very ritualistic. And also, um, during while he's being electrocuted simultaneously and run over, there are a lot of, um, uh, what would you call them, uh, flash cuts between that scene and Mario Von People's eyes, and yes. then it goes back and forth in like a strobing yeah. kind of yeah, it's uh, almost a strobing effect, and it's very effective. Like this film, despite its dumbness, had some cleverness tucked into it somewhere. Although, as we found when we were watching the closing credits, there were some reshoots done. Actually, I've heard that there were a lot of reshoots done um, in Los Angeles, not in New York City. Um, where we, we theorize that the entire final showdown between Mario Van People's X and Robert Ginty's Exterminator was reshot in uh, in Los Angeles in a uh, an abandoned warehouse somewhere. Yeah, like there's a heavy reliance on um interior scenes, so um probably like a at least 30% of the movie shot in a warehouse of some sort. So uh it could be anywhere really. That is true. Um so back to the storyline of this film. So after uh, Robert Ginty meets up with his old army buddy the garbage truck driver played by played by Frankie Faison. Is that how you pronounce yep. his last name? Frankie Faison from sure. The Wire. Um we're go- not sure actually, but yeah. let's hope. Yeah, they go to the bar where uh Robert Ginty's girlfriend is dancing. <laughs> by the way, if you're listening Frankie Faison, we are fans. Like we loved you on The Wire. We loved you in this. Uh what else was he in? Phil he was, in Man, he was in Manhunter. Sons of the Lambs, Manhunter. We loved you in those films as well. Um, so we would love to have you on as a guest at a certain point. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's eager, chomping at the bit. To he's one of our 21 career. listeners on uh, on iTunes. <laughs> By the way, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, please go to iTunes and subscribe to our uh, our Facebook account. If you have an iPhone, you can just click on the iTunes app that comes with your phone, search for Death by Video, and then click subscribe, and you will get notifications of when our new episodes are launched every Sunday um, from now until eternity. Wow. Ambitious. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then after he takes, uh, Robert Ginty takes his uh, buddy Frankie Faison to the bar where his girlfriend dances, where they're still selling free beer, I guess giving away at that point. Yeah, and they're still uh, written in magic marker, uh, free beer. In the on a neon uh, Bristol board, yeah. I think it's a $500 cover to get into that bar, that's why. Especially in downtown Manhattan, which is what they're <laughs> selling it as. Um, and where um, Garbage Man actually picks up two ladies, which he does not take home with him. I was very disappointed that the Garbage Man, like the Garbage Man, like right away, didn't even change from work and just hit the dance floor and started picking up ladies. Uh, what, what were the ladies' names, too? He, he actually names them at one oh, point. Oh, Crystal we... Light and Crystal Bright, I think. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so anyways, um, Garbage Man, Robert Ginty, and his girlfriend, uh, Robert Ginty's girlfriend in the movie, Hop into the garbage truck to go home, and at a certain point, garbage truck man realizes, hey, she's not just a friend, she's more than that, and he decrees that two's company, three's a crowd, so he hops out and let Robert and lets Robert Ginty drive the garbage truck back to her place, which is where the ex-gang follow the garbage truck after their the garbage truck's attack on their armored car robbery, and realize, hey, this is where someone related to either the garbage truck driver or the exterminator lives. But they are scared away by a police car randomly coming down the street mm. and then this leads to the very uncomfortable very uncomfortable love scene love scene if you can call it that it's more it's less of a love scene more of robert ginty just pushes his face against the woman yeah he um, gets it he gets his forehead all into her nipples for kind of i don't know it's it's a weird scene it's very weird and not erotic in the least and it's 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 <laughs> on par to some adult contemporary music as well so then where do we go from there, guys? Like, what happens next? Um, they, uh, right after the uncomfortable love scene, um, they, park, the, the couple they? go to the park. That's right, yep. And that is where uh, What's-Her-Face uh, starts doing her pirouettes. and uh, Robert Ginty's girlfriend, Caroline, her character's name was. Right, Caroline. And then somehow Robert Ginty gets, I don't know if he goes for ice cream or something, but he gets separated from... From her, and that's when X's gang moves mm-hmm. in. Well, what happens is that they they continue walking after she does some pirouettes in a park, and he gives her a big standing ovation of one. Um, they go and watch some b boy dancers do a little bit of their break that's dancing. Right. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And you have to remember that this is a Canon Films production, which I totally forgot about until the film started. And they had just either just before or just during this time released their film Breaking, which was their first big hit, which was all about break dancing. So of course, any movie set in any urban center regardless of which urban center had to feature some break dancing although in new york it would make sense yeah yeah definitely so they watch some kids some b-boys break dance and then she goes to the washroom and well he buys a hot dog from a vendor which in the washroom is where x's gang are hiding out in the stalls it's actually a very terrifying scene when they all open the stalls in unison and chase her guys and she gets kneecapped and they all uh, viciously beat her with and until a police on a horse um yep. police officer on a horse which robert ginty races be actually beats to her like he races the, the <laughs> horse races the horse yeah. and and beats the horse to it's, the, it's a the crime scene. scene it 
seems like it lasts at least five minutes. So. Yeah, and um, yeah, as Kit said, oh, they Tanya Hardinged her. Or Nancy Carrington her. I don't know which way you want to put that. It's either way, it's too soon. Well, it was actually before because it was the the film came out in the eighties. It was so soon; it was actually five years before that even happened. Um, so, so after that, she is confined to a wheelchair, and at that point, he decides it's time to get even. By the way, um, I realized, and I, and I said it at the intro: in Stone Cold, um, the character of John Stone, played by Brian Bosworth, does not accomplish any of his goals he sets out to accomplish. Neither is Robert Ginty as the Exterminator Part 2, or in the Exterminator Part 2. He really doesn't, like, prevent any crime from happening. He just sort of punishes those that have caused stuff. Kit just went to the washroom for those listening at home. It's amazing that there's there's still a working bathroom in this abandoned video store. Um, So after um, his uh, Caroline's dancer girlfriend gets uh, handicapped, him and his, uh, and the garbage truck driving friend, um, decorate her apartment for her homecoming. She is not impressed. And then he decides to get even. So yes. they randomly go through the park and notice a bunch of street toughs harassing someone. They burst in. Um, this, this is when uh, Frankie Faison has his uh, big line, his, uh, his oh, time yes. to... Oh, yes. It looks like it, there's some garbage that needs to be removed. Not, it's time to take out the trash. How do you mess that up? How do you mess up it's time to take out the trash with it's time for some garbage to be removed? It must have been trademarked at the time. It couldn't have been. It's time for some waste to be disposed of. (laughs) That would even be better. It's time to dispose of some waste. So they capture our Nick Cave-looking person. Nick Cave it could be. I mean, he's about the right age. It's not Nick Cave. Not at all. Um, Who they then uh, scare into uh, revealing where the location of the gang is, which is Pier 3 in Brooklyn. And they do that by uh, shoving him into the trash compactor through, like, the side door and... Uh, Threatening him with um, terrible violence. And then they attack the place, but in that situation, um, the garbage truck driver gets killed. And then in retaliation for attacking uh, their home base, the ex-gang goes and kills uh, Robert Ginty's girlfriend. Um, and that ritualistic style, because there's like a bloody there's a, X there's on her a, front a door. Big X, yeah, there's an X on her front door that was spray painted. There's an X on the back of her of her uh, body. Naked, uh, By the way, this is all Robert Ginty's fault. He, it is too. Well, yeah, he he started this issue, and he really hasn't done anything to fix it. As Kit he, said, he's he hasn't he's even a bothered to go to the police about this. He hasn't even tried that avenue. He has so much information <laughs> and evidence that he could legally stop this gang from existing. And bring down the Italian mafia while they're at it, too. Because that's the thing. They're all tied together. But he's like, no, I'll do it myself, and I'll yeah. have my buddy tag along. And then his buddy gets killed, and his girlfriend gets... Well, first her back is broken, then she's murdered. And it's all his fault, essentially. Yes. So then, um, we have finally the montage that Kit was waiting for the entire movie. He never gets that smug look off his face while he's burning people to death, by the oh, way. No. This, ma- this is a man who enjoys burning people to death. He's just looking for an excuse. Well, the smug look is mostly uh, concealed by the welder's mask. Though. <laughs> I forgot. That is true. So then he converts the garbage truck into a gun truck, so to speak, because he has multiple guns on turrets. Oh yeah, he completely MacGyver's it. It's, yeah, it's uh... it's a homage to the uh, season or the series finale of Breaking Bad, which we are not going to talk about, Kit. 
Um, I don't want to talk about it. Neither do I. Um, and basically, he lets the gang member that was held in the back of the gar- garbage truck go, so he can go to X and tell him, hey, this is where this guy lives. And he also leaves his um, flamethrower out so that the guy in the back of his garbage truck could see it and put two and two together and realize, hey, this is the exterminator. So the Nick Cave-looking gang member that was in the back of the garbage truck goes to Mary Van Peebles, who plays X, leader of the gang, tells him, hey, this is where the guy who killed your brother lives or is. And then Mary Van Peebles kills him because he kills the messenger, apparently, in that gang. And then the gang goes in their sweet vintage cars to the exterminator's, like, secret hangout. They attack the hangout. The exterminator blows up all their cars, kills off all the gang members except for X. And then what are we left with, guys? Oh, Grant, uh, Phil, you describe it. Uh, I think while we were watching it, Phil, you described it as being the most underwhelming pursuit <laughs> in... Oh, uh, yes, because there's just uh, the the flamethrower runs out of fuel, and there's just, it's just a very believable uh, foot chase. They're, uh, they're climbing up and down ladders, and like they're very careful not to fall or trip. And it just, and you just see literally every step of uh, the way. Uh, whereas yeah, Robert Ginty takes movie, a long time climbing up a, a ladder. And, yeah. Uh, well, as we pointed out, Robert Ginty is a very, very parkouring. much a middle-aged man at this point. I, I, uh, I was trying to think of who he's the poor man's version of at the Did time. You say a shitty out of shape Russell Crowe from the eighties. Yes, but I've actually thought of it. He's, he's really a poor man's uh, r- r- rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, you're so right. Yeah, he really you is. You are so if, right. If, that, if you I didn't think even of, put that together. If you think they live and you think... Oh my God, this movie with Rowdy Rowdy Paper would be amazing. Yeah. He would have been spouting off one-liners <laughs> and punching guys in the face. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There could have been a 10-minute uh, fist fight between Rowdy Rowdy Piper and Mario Van Peebles. I wish there was. I know, I agree. And then so eventually... Um, well, A, he burns the cocaine or the heroin that the gang was taking from the Italian mafia. He also inadvertently kills off the Itali- Italian mafia with, uh, with a grenade. With a, a grenade. grenade, yeah. Single grenade. Accidentally, but it, it still works. It blows up very spectacularly, that, yeah. that single grenade. It's yeah. like that flare shot into the helicopter earlier in the film. Yeah, the gang shoots a flare gun towards a helicopter and blows up the helicopter in New York City and causes it to fall out of the sky. No one instantly comes to be like, what nope, the hell just nobody. happened? That's because New York City is such a hellscape. It's, yeah, such yeah. a war zone. <laughs> it's it's, it's Koch's New York. It's almost like 1990, the Bronx Warriors escaped from New York, New York. No, sorry, there was no escape from New York. Sorry, 1990, the Bronx Warriors where it's an abandoned wasteland that they just happens to be inhabited by gangs. So, how does Mary Van Peebles get get killed in the end? Oh, you had gone to the washroom during this Right, point. right, right. Um, I've written it down. How does it happen? Uh, okay, well, let me see. Going through my notes here. Oh, yes, street gangs in the 80s were all racially diverse groups of That is very true. There was groups of sadistic African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Caucasian-Americans. Latin-Americans. Latin-Americans, Jewish-Americans. And they were all in the same gang as we see in not only this film, but also Death Wish 3. And I would I would say Raiders of Atlantis. Have you either of you guys seen the Raiders of Atlantis, a.k.a. the Atlantis Interceptors? Nope. No. It is from the director of Cannibal Holocaust. Okay. Was that a, Help me. Was that a weird thundercrack you guys just heard? Yeah, that was pretty loud. 
strange. That makes sense. It's oh, all day. I, th I, I think I know what's happening next week. I don't know what's happening next week. <laughs> strange. Um, um, but anyway, X, uh, he finally gets to what he thinks is the, uh, the bag full of heroin or money. I can't remember which. Um, and as soon as he opens it, it blows up. And, of course, X blows up as well. And then we see a slow motion cut of him on fire, burning away. Uh, because that's the uh, the exterminator's way, and then he finally ends up impaled on a spike, as if you know the the rest wasn't enough. Was it right through the X that was spray painted on his chest? Probably, but they don't really give us that angle. I'm gonna assume it was, and that was the exterminator part two. So, guys, any final thoughts on the exterminator part two or well, revenge Graham, films in general? So you've told us there is no exterminator part three. There isn't no. What do you? You said you haven't seen Exterminator Part One, but what have you gleaned anything from the? Yes, so the Exterminator Part One. I'm pretty sure I explained this in the intro. Is the story of Robert Ginty's John Eastland, who was a POW during the Vietnam War, who returns to New York City once he's freed in the late 70s, early 80s, and he is shocked by the amount of uh, on-street um, prostitutes, drug dealers, panhandlers, general scum that populates the streets, and he's driven through his uh, post-traumatic stress disorder from being a POW in Vietnam to take up arms against the the uh, less desirables of the streets, so to say. Oh. And it, it seems like there's a... Uh, the, the start of Exterminator 2, it seems like they're giving fans what they want, in a way. Like, yes, because... Here's the Exterminator... more of the same. Well, in the Exterminator Part 1, the Exterminator Part 1 was sold on this poster of a character holding a flamethrower and wearing a helmet... And that was actually never in the first Exterminator film. So in the Exterminator Part 2, from like scene 1, he is wearing a welder's mask, not a helmet, and carrying a flamethrower and just burning... Yeah, burning dudes alive. Yeah, burning gangbangers alive. There's, there's nothing to sympathize with this main character. By no, the no, he, and he also, if, again, he does not save anybody. He doesn't prevent no. anything bad from happening. He waits for people to die, and then he kills the bad guys who killed the people. Exactly. He is not very good at being a hero or a preventative measure or even a deterrent, to be honest, because like his actions just inspire the game to get more and more intense, which maybe is the point of the film. But the film is also so much in that mid 80s, like rah, rah vigilante mode that it kind of buries the whole concept that maybe he shouldn't be out in the streets with a flamethrower burning petty thieves alive. Phil? Yeah. So right after Mario Van Peebles, he successfully kills and impales, mm -hmm. inadvertently impales Mario Van Peebles. He could have planned that. It, it's possible. Um, he, there's just like this wide uh, closing shot as he uh, he's walking out of the warehouse. There, you see some sunlight at the far end, and mm. he's shedding his uh, welder's mask, the ditching the flamethrower. Ditching the the army jacket, yep. so the war is over for finally. him. So, so are we saying that he that he's finally left his his post traumatic uh, stress syndrome and psychosis behind, and he's now no longer a threat to society at large? Yeah, uh, maybe the scene actually reminded me a bit of uh, Sylvester Stallone's. I think it was Daybreak. Daylight. Daylight. Is that was the that one? Yeah, that's the yeah, one where they're, they're trapped, trapped in the, the tunnel, yeah. the tunnel yeah. going from it, New York to New Jersey, and it he has seemed to like get the same out. shot at, at or the channel. end. Or channel. Channel. Was not the Seinfeld. <laughs> it's the Seinfeld one. I, I, I pray. I, I have a theory that the channel was inspired by daylight. By daylight. Yeah, the channel's gonna blow. <laughs> daylight I, was a nonsensical film. So are we we are assuming Robert Ginty's still alive. He could do Exterminator Part Three. 
but we are assuming until for the time being that this is his last term as the flame-throwing vigilante known as the exterminator. Psychopath. Psychopath, yes, as Kit likes to say. Now, the interesting thing is I was uh, going through the abandoned video store here, and I noticed another videotape, which kind of threw me for a loop. It is a tape that's called The Executioner Part 2. And just, just look this over, guys. All right, so this is not the film we just saw. No. Beware rapists, killers, and muggers. He's back to get you. The interesting thing about this is that there was no Executioner Part 1. This one was actually released before Exterminator Part 2. And the thing about it is that it was released to cash in on the Exterminator Part 1. And the thought was, this is so early in the days of video that they're probably not looking that close at the title. They see... (laughs) the title they see the tagline they see the whole and they read the synopsis on the back and it's literally a vigilante coming back to continue reaping revenge on the streets of a major metropolitan city it's funny the cover art he really looks like robert redford yeah but uh but that is not robert redford as you can see in the photos on the back it's clearly not no it is not (laughs) so guys um, any final thoughts on the film or just revenge movies as a whole? Not saying this is going to be our last revenge movie, but never it could been, be. Uh, never been a fan of the revenge genre, really. Why is that? Because I can't root for the protagonist, actually. Because revenge is not a noble... Pursuit? Uh, it's, it's not, it's a, not noble a noble pursuit, pursuit it's at not all, a, no. uh, It's not a noble reason for, for people to to act. It's not a noble impetus for uh, for action to occur fold no it is not so phil what's your final thought on the exterminator part two slash revenge cinema um my thoughts on revenge cinema are ambivalent i have enjoyed revenge movies in mm-hmm. the past kill bill volumes one and two yeah, sure uh, uh man on fire with denzel washington and the original one from the 80s starring scott glenn was quite good okay Deathwish had its moments. Uh. Deathwish. <laughs> Deathwish. Uh, Deathwish. Okay. Deathwish. 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 Yes. Um, movies that have taken that have morally examined uh, revenge. Yeah, there's there is no moral examination in Exterminator Two Absolutely whatsoever. Absolutely none. Um, even even when um, even when uh, the parallels I could see when uh, when. The exterminator and his his buddy there, uh, BG there, the Frankie Faison, are uh, are dragging one of the Nick Cave guy to the to the truck and everything and like this. It seemed like the first scene where where the the punks were were terrorizing the uh, the the poor Jewish couple. Who That's true, the... and there was there was no analysis of the escalation of violence in this film whatsoever. Because like I didn't give you permission to look at me. It's like that almost echoed directly one of the lines given right, by right, the right. punks. Well, yeah, well, the punks at the, at the start of the film said, I didn't remember you scheduling an appointment to talk. Yeah. Which is an odd way of saying, I didn't give you permission to speak, which is very similar to Robert Ginty's line, I didn't give you permission to look at me. Which Later on, on in the film, when he was, in effect, torturing or threatening torture to one of the gang members. But all evidence suggests that this is just a coincidence, that this was not intentional on the part of the filmmakers, but who knows? I don't think so, because, again, this was the canon group, and they were not known for their subtlety or their, <laughs> or their nuance, as you can tell from films such as Invasion USA or... Missing um, in Action. Missing in Action 1, 2, and 3... 
or Breakin or Breakin Two Electric Boogaloo. I think it was Delta Force one of their movies as well. De- Delta Force, oh, was definitely, Delta Force. Yeah. Delta Force was almost a remake of their. I think it was Operation Condor from the seventies that they did. Yeah, that well, didn't they all star Chuck Norris, or am I wrong? Operation Condor did not star Chuck Norris. It started but Delta Force did. Delta Force did, yeah. yeah. Which was a loose remake of Operation Condor. I, I probably have the name wrong. It's probably a different film. It might be Operation Condor for Delta Force. That could be correct. You would know. You were the manager of several blockbusters. Well, there. no. Uh, this this is going back to the fact that my uh, uncle owned two um, fairly successful video stores in Toronto in the uh, in the 80s and early 90s um, called Ultra Video. And uh, I used to see all these posters and stuff, and he had a wide uh, VHS collection. And I remember these films, seeing just the cover boxes. I never watched them. But I feel like that's correct, but I could be wrong. Okay, then. So, uh, Revenge Cinema is a dish best served cold. Uh, That's an old Klingon proverb. Okay. We're all quoting Kill Bill now, apparently. Um, uh, and also Star Trek. That was a direct quote from Star Trek. But that was a, a parrot from uh, a Shakespearean <laughs> play. I think it was, what was it, Titus Andronicus? Am I oh, wrong it could have that? been. I've, I've, I, I remember, I remember. There, are, there are cold dishes. There is, there's a lot of revenge in Titus Andronicus. Uh, or Macbeth, or many Shakespearean plays. Yeah. It's true, but in Macbeth, the the issue of revenge is treated well. It's not even revenge; it's it's more ambition. But yeah, I mean, revenge cinema is so it's, it's such a bizarre thing because it's supposed to give you catharsis and enjoyment and wish fulfillment, and it's supposed to be a a way to satiate your or satiate 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 your um satiate you still satiate. Didn't say it right? <laughs> it's a sh sound on the ti. Satiate your yeah. um. No, <laughs> don't fight it. it. It's a way to 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 indulge your your wish fulfillment but and your fantasies were... for revenge. But in this film, you really don't. Ha- There's no real wish fulfillment because Robert Ginty is just as destructive and vile and violent as the gang members. As Mario Van Peebles tries to point out, and again, I don't think right. the filmmakers true, 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 were actually. True. Um, trying to make this point, it's just like they need to give the character dialogue. They need to give him a little twist to uh, to a uh, like a knife thrown into uh, Robert Ginty's right leg at the end of the twists. film when Mary when people says you and I aren't that different. It's true, and he's not wrong, which is no. what I said during the screening. But that is not looked at any closer in the film. No. Yeah, like the movie is just uh, even for eighties exploitation, the movie's so unrelentingly sadistic. Again, it's something for baby boomers to watch and be like, yeah, those friggin' kids, yeah. these punks these days, they don't even know what our generation went through. It's like if baby boomers uh, watched or read Watchmen and identified with uh, Rorschach. Rorschach. Well, th- well, that's the interesting thing also as well with, with the Zack Schneider oeuvre, especially his current films featuring Superman and Batman. <laughs> Zack Snyder would love that you called his his, his films an oeuvre. I'm sure he's, he's just the, orgasming the, right now. The, the interesting thing about them is that he... when Because uh, I enjoyed his Watchmen adaptation, and I enjoyed the Watchmen book. It, it, was, it was not the worst film he's made. No, no not by a long <laughs> shot. Um, but the interesting thing is that when he talks about characters like Superman or Batman... 
he really doesn't understand them. And when he talks about Watchmen, he doesn't understand that Watchmen was supposed to be a deconstruction of superhero comics. When he was talking about it, he said that, oh, there's a, there's a superhero movie with like violence and blood and rape and sex. Like That's what I think superheroes should have. It's like, no, 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 no. That was supposed to be a deconstruction of superheroism and the post-traumatic stress it could cause upon people. That's, that's what he's been making ever since. I and would love to see, in a way, Zack Snyder's Spider-Man. Oh, but I would be terrified. God. No, 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 no. no. Let's, not, <laughs> let's not do that. He's already ruined Superman. He's ruining Batman excellently by making him a murderer. Like, he just straight up, straight up murders people. Well, I Tim feel Burton that, did that. But... No, but, but the thing is, Tim Burton was misguided, though. Because Tim Burton didn't understand, how do you end a movie without the villain dying? And yes, that's true. In in Batman and Batman Returns, villains die. Well, also in the in the middle part of Batman, villains die. Batman kills a lot of people in 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 Batman. That's true. It's it's a very he blows up an entire factory. Oh, right, I forgot about that. It's 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 so difficult to look at it because the character of Batman, his whole thing is that he does not kill or use guns. Yet, for the first three to four major released movies, outside of the Adam West uh, Batman, the movie from 1966, um, he murders a lot of people. Yeah. And that's the, that's, that is the difficult thing about revenge cinema is that, again, when you start down your pathway to revenge, you're supposed to dig two graves, one for your target, one for yourself. At least in those uh, Burton Batman movies... Uh, there was an attempt to address that. I think Batman it says, oh, you made me, and stuff like that. And he tries to, in the third Batman, when it's Val Kilmer, he tries to warn Robin that this path of revenge is not a good one. It's not a no, happy no. one. It never, on. it never leads to closure. Yeah. Um, and, and I also think at the end of this movie, as much as Robert Ginty throws off his flamethrower and his army jacket, which I am now currently very comfortable wearing. It looks comfy. I is, wish I had one I of those. I love this jacket so much. He definitely, you can see that the character is not fine afterwards. I mean, he just murdered about three dozen people. Again, that smirk on his face when he's yeah. preparing all of this, even after his the love of his life ostensibly um, is murdered. His only his only chance for happiness was this dancer. He's got a little smug look on his face, like, "Good, I'm glad this happened because now I really get to punish these 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 young mm-hmm. punks." Um, so it's, so it's an ugly film. So here's the thing: is it nature versus nurture? Is it the fact that he went off to Vietnam and was so and like again, neither none of us have seen the first film, which I've heard is even bleaker and features a decapitation. Ooh. Um, but is he permanently damaged by this? Uh, it's not something the film's brave enough to explore. Oh, I no, don't. I understand, and then I think that's what separates like films like Taxi Driver and Rolling Thunder from this is that in Taxi Driver. That's, cl- that's an interesting film. Yeah, and it's and it's definitely like I mean, and the first Exterminator was of the ilk of Taxi Driver. Or at least it was compared to it initially. Same same as with Combat Shock. Combat Shock or First Blood or First Blood. I yeah. do feel that that this film has more in com- common with Taxi Driver or or Combat Shock than it does with First Blood or Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder definitely um, features a broken character who can do nothing but be broken. Um, Combat Shock features a character who is just permanently damaged and permanently set to this extreme mode of interpreting the world and i feel that that's the same way that robert ginty in the exterminator part two and granted we are giving this a lot more credit than it probably deserves it's true like at the end of the day exterminator part two is meant to be a drink Uh, a few beers watch this guy burn a few scumbags alive it's supposed to be fantasy wish fulfillment for the baby boomer generation who who were terrified of youth culture 
and uh, I didn't understand and the crime it. rate. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I think it's interesting when people of our generation, the the millennials, and we are all elder statesmen of the millennials here. We're all in our third, our early thirties. We are very early millennials. Almost. Yeah, we we, and I personally embrace that tagline of being a millennial because I Generation don't, Y. They I don't want to be us. Generation X. I don't want to be a baby boomer. I just want to be me. Or the Pepsi generation. Generation Next, yes. as sung by the Spice Girls in their infamous 1997 ad. Uh, for Pepsi, and then appeared on their Spice World. Uh, the, the Pepsi generation are disowning after. Yeah, the, not as bad as the Kendall Jenner. Not as bad as Kendall still, Jenner. Yeah. No, no, no. So, to wrap this all up, well, how do we feel after the Exterminator Part Two? I'm seeing some shaking heads. I'm seeing some hands being thrown up in. Well, I, I don't know. It's another. It's another film in that bucket. I think of of very similar films which you had mentioned. I also think Again, you should watch um, "Don't Breathe" because that's another. It's it's another. Uh, it's a genre film. It's it's played mm-hmm. for entertainment, but it does delve more into the kind of PTSD kind of right from wrong. Yeah, it's another army vet who uh, who might have lost his mind thanks to the war. Mm-hmm. In it- this one, it's like yeah, he, maybe he lost his mind, but he's doing good. Phil, what did you have to say regarding the? How do we? What do we take away from this film? Uh, we take away that um, revenge is bad. It is interesting that out of out of all that, the films, that's not the message of the film, though. I think I think that's that's it's not that's, the, that's my personal takeaway. That's, that's my personal takeaway. that's my personal politics. <laughs> yeah, I do find that it's interesting how um, this film, out of all the films we've watched so far, not just that in this podcast, but also in the movie nights that I program once a month, that this film has actually had us have way more moral questions and quandaries about character motivation and what and the and the actual like the actual uh, repercussions for what we're seeing on screen well i think you've mentioned and i haven't seen the death wish series at all i only knew it as kind of like a parody of itself mm-hmm. but um mm-hmm. you have mentioned that the first death wish was actually it, it took a look at at the motivation well, yeah. and and the first death wish like, like the uh the character um Kersey played by uh played by the great actor Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson. Um, at the end of that film, like we're not supposed to identify him with him. We're actually supposed to see that this is a character who has been so broken that he has been stripped of his humanity. Because in the film, he is a pacifist. He is a guy that refused to fight in Vietnam, that refuses to take up arms, that refuses to own a gun. And by the end of the film, he is so transformed and damaged that he is that gleeful, gun-wielding maniac that we are terrified of. But the only thing is he focuses his rage upon... Uh, pickpockets and like he actually goes out every night trying to like lure pickpockets to like encounter him so that he can shoot them yeah and, and, but by the by film number th- four or five it's become a parody of itself by pil- film number three it became a parody i remember a mad magazine I, again i haven't watched the films but i did uh used to read a lot of mad magazines and uh basically they had a parody of it whenever somebody would say yo he would shoot that person right on the spot without even any questions. That that sounds quite accurate for it. I mean, part that part, is basically Death Wish three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> part part two is a very very grim film that is not fun at all. Um, part three is super fun though, because it's it's basically well, a for one thing, it's shot in England, set in New York City, and it's set in this like even though it's it's clearly meant to be like no, this is nineteen eighty three. It's clearly meant to be this is the apocalypse and these gang members are running wild and it's up to Paul Kersey played by 
Charles Bronson is just exterminate all of them. Um, Which is kind of the it's this is basically a poor man's death wish. I'm realizing yes, yes, Exterminator yes. Two is a poor man's death wish with a poor man's rowdy Roddy Piper starring. But the difference is, is that <laughs> Exterminator Three is fun though. Because he actually you mean Death Wish Three, de- sorry, sorry, Exterminator sorry, sorry, Three, de- sorry, which de- there de- is none. Yeah, no, no, which we've established that there's no. No, there is no Exterminator Three. Death Wish Three is fun, and he actually does save people in that film. Whereas in Exterminator Two, he doesn't save anyone. He is just a pure instrument of reaction. A and psychopath. Again, a psychopath. Yes. So I don't know. This definitely won't be the last revenge film we see. This probably even won't be the last revenge film featuring a vietnam veteran that we see um but it's definitely a talking point for us for the future it's interesting how this is the podcast where we're getting a little bit more man there's more of that thunder going around do you hear that guys yeah, it was, it was like a little the, rainstormy the, earlier today, and I, I guess no. It, it seems up. it seems like the ghosts of the video store are angry with us for some reason. It was clear, clear as night when we got in here. I know. So the fact that there are thunder clouds right above us. Yeah, is yeah like, like I don't even see the sun peaking anymore, which is odd because normally the sun is rising by this it's, time. It's about six in the morning. Yeah. Um. So, the Vija board was already out when I got here, which is odd, and it already had on fire. It wasn't on fire. And it, it seemed like it already had a movie picked out, so I'm just going to like read it right now and be like, oh no. You've done this to us, haven't you, Graham? I haven't I know done this. Exactly I, have, I, ha- I have not done this. It, oh no, it, guys. it starts with a C, doesn't it? It does start with a C. Is it an A and an N afterwards? It is. Ooh. It's, we're going to have to watch next week, Cannibal Ferox. Ah, well, I thought it was Cannibal Holocaust, so I'm slightly relieved here. Slightly relieved. <laughs> slightly. Is the accurate term. So, join us next week while we dive into the Italian cannibals Andra. Jean. Join Jandra. Us, join us. Join us. <laughs> join us next week when we explore the cannibal genre with Umberto Lenzi's Cannibal Ferox, a.k.a. Make them die slowly. Is that you just making that up, or is that actually that? A, that was the original English title for the make film. Make them die slowly. Make that them sounds die like the slowly. title of a death metal song. Yeah, I can see Cannibal Corpse doing it. Yes, it, it probably a was rendition of that. So, guys, until next time, I've been Graham. I'm Phil. I have been Kit. And this has been Death by Video. Please be sure to rewind, and we'll see you next week. Bye bye. I've been a witness to the spilling of the blood Seen the lifeless bodies lying in the mud I walked away alive with a wounded heart But I had to heal it I had to heal it till I couldn't feel The cry of my brother going down Could not turn away I could hear other sound I have watched the pain through my wounded eyes 
I had to heal it I had to heal it 